What's up, everybody? Matt Kajeski here, back again with the Odd Shopper channel. Today, we're talking some college basketball betting. Ahead of Tuesday, January the 30th. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. We're also brought to you by BetMGM, who has a limited time offer for those of you in legal betting states, with the exception of New York, Puerto Rico, and Nevada. What you'll do is click the link in the video description below, make your first deposit of at least $5, then turn around and make a $5 wager on any team, market total, whatever you like, whether it wins or loses, you will get $158 in the form of bonus bets. You must be 21 or older to play in most jurisdictions. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLING. All right, so recap yesterday, it was a greasy mid-major slate. With Duke and Houston playing, I did add Duke late, which we talked about in the video. So it ended up being a pretty nice 4-0 day with some of the greasy teams. You know, if you've been watching me do football, basketball, you know, those are some of my favorites. So it's been a good eight or so days. Some bad days mixed in there, some good days as well. And yesterday was pretty nice. Huge slate today. So we will move forward and talk about that. A couple big games, and then, of course, we'll we'll mix in a few of the Smaller, greasier games, too. Kicking things off, we have Marquette taking on Nova. This is a rematch, a game that was actually just played on Martin Luther King Day. So we had Marquette at home winning by 14 points, 13 points, I believe. One of those two is a double-digit victory for Marquette regardless. But Nova's been a big disappointment this year. Marquette, they've been up and down, really strong start to the season. In Maui, then they struggled a little bit during conference play at the Seton Hall loss, but they bounced back quite effectively. And right now you have a two-point spread in favor of Nova. A lot of this has to do with injuries. So Marquette has already lost Sean Jones, Chase Ross. They're both out indefinitely, but the most important injury here is Cam Jones. Last week, he allegedly turned his ankle in practice. He shows up to the Seton Hall game with a boot on. Everyone thinks he's out. He sheds the boot. He starts the game. Plays five minutes, nails a three, comes out, never comes back. Allegedly, this is precautionary, but he was clearly not 100% when he was out there for those five minutes. That's pretty big to this matchup. The current line indicates that he's out. We just don't have that news. It's just where books are right now. You'll probably see a little movement one way or the other. But if you had Cam Jones guaranteed to be in this game, I think you'd see closer to a pick -em. That's where this game opened. So right away, both teams are due for some shot regression. Marquette, we've actually seen it happen a little bit. We talked about this last time Marquette was on a stream. This team last year, top 103-point percentage with the same players. Last week, they were around 270, and they've had a couple good games. One was against DePaul, so I mean, that'll happen. But anyway, they've jumped to about 210 in three-point percentage, and there's still some meat left on the bone with this team. And Cam Jones is, of course, big for this, but you've actually seen some improvement shooting from David Joplin, who's now up above 42% from three. Kolek has rebounded a little bit. He's climbed back above 35%. And you're getting stronger play out of guys like Ben Gold. I mean, I heard a stat. Ben Gold missed something like 25 straight threes. He's actually up to 34%. 22 of 65 this year. He's been a lot better. So this, this team is shooting closer to what we expected at the beginning of the season rather than the 270th mark that we had seen previously. But I don't think that's their only advantage here either. This team. They can score inside with Oso. Ben Gold's given them awesome minutes. 
Marquette is 28th in effective height. Villanova is 213. So they definitely have a height advantage, which they don't always have. Marquette forces the seventh most turnovers. This is consistent with them. They track deflections. They're a pressing turnover prone defense. And Nova's not as clean as they have been in previous years with turnovers. And then Marquette rarely turns the ball over themselves. They have awesome point guard play with Kolick. They have a unique kind of way they play on offense. So like when you take Kolick out of the game for random stretches of time, like short periods of time when he needs a breather, Oso brings the ball up sometimes at that point forward position. Cam Jones can do a little bit of this. And they've gotten good minutes out of their bench, which is the last thing I really want to highlight with Marquette before we turn to Nova. Coming into the year, we viewed this team as one of the deeper teams in the Big East. Ton of continuity year over year. Really only lost one player out of their main contributors. Now with the injuries, they've been forced to narrow their rotation, which isn't ideal. But they're not playing a ton of guys that we weren't expecting to see minutes. It's Zade Lowry for 12 to 15. Trey Norman occasionally will get a minute here and there. But instead, it's been Ben Gold getting more minutes, Stevie Mitchell getting more minutes. These are players we were expecting to play anyway. So it's not the end of the world that we've seen Sean Jones and Chase Ross. And for what it's worth, I think Cam Jones plays. As for Nova, this team is due for some positive shooting regression. I think it's it's tough to say. Basically, the Nova approach this year was take a bunch of mediocre transfers and try to piece them all together with a coach in Kyle Neptune, who's I think on his way to getting fired, not be probably not this year, but pretty soon. He's been a complete disaster. You do have Justin Moore, and Justin Moore, he's been hurt. And I don't know how much he's still dealing with the knee, but his play has taken a severe step back. This is a career 40% shooter from three. He's shooting 26%. If he's not hitting threes, this team is a mess. They're honestly their best player of late has been Mark Armstrong, and they refuse to play him more than 20 minutes. Instead, you're getting like Hakeem Hart, Eric Dixon, TJ Bamba. And some of those players are better than others, but none of them are phenomenal shooters. At best, they're hovering around 35%. I think Dixon is by far the best player on this team, but even his minutes aren't always consistent. Bamba's giving you essentially nothing. Hakeem Hart gives you a little bit on offense, nothing on defense. So it's a pretty tough Nova team. All this to say, I do like Marquette here. The best way to play this, I think, is to wait. Have notifications turned on. Go, go to Jordan Majeski's Twitter. I'll keep talking about him. Turn on notifications. You'll see whether Cam Jones is playing in this game or not. As soon as that notification comes through, one way or the other, you can decide. I personally think Cam Jones is going to play. I took Marquette already. But if you're worried about Cam Jones, I would just turn on notifications. If you get word he's playing, boom, you can hit Marquette. Plus two. Second game. We go to Seton Hall taking on, on DePaul. I know we try to talk about a lot of marquee matchups. This isn't one of them. But I do think there's an actual play on the total. I took under already at 141. It's at 139. I still show value on that, which is why I wanted to talk about it. 139 and a half actually is the current number. But there's a ton of injuries in this game, and you have the most efficient player in the entire contest out. That's Kadari Richmond. I presume he's out. He didn't travel to Marquette over the weekend. They're playing DePaul. I mean, you could basically play your walk-ons and beat DePaul at this point. Seton Hall is still 10-point favor without Kadari, so that tells you what the state of DePaul is. And as far as injuries go, it's not just Kadari. DePaul's had injuries too. Chico Carter and Caleb Murphy are still out. So you immediately have like scoring efficiency problems because a ton of the good players in this game just aren't going to be out there. So yeah, the offense efficiency numbers are on the screen. Seton Hall's 53. That's going to come down without Kadari. 
the ball's 259, so it doesn't matter who's on the floor. They can't score anyway. And Kadari's the best defender for Seton Hall. So if you think maybe DePaul can get up and run a little bit in this game, sure, I could see it. As far as the pace, this also doesn't line up to an over, so it, I think it sets up the under nicely. Seton Hall's 299th in tempo. DePaul's 199th. DePaul's been pretty consistent, but over the last six weeks, and I think Kadari's injury influences this, Seton Hall's actually dropped to 332 in pace. So the under has been screaming under here. I think there's two reasons, just the efficiency and the pacing in this game is really bad. Adjusted tempos getting even worse for a team like Seton Hall. So looking under in this contest, a little greasy, but we will also shop this. So Odd Shopper, check this out. We have a link in the video description below. It's the easiest tool to just cross-reference lines across all books. And we have a ton of cool tools with Odd Shopper, which I think you should check out. It's a market-based approach. If, if you'd like to have it basically tell you what to take, and this is back-tested, proven. A ton of people have made a lot of money with this. Go look at it, Greg Ehrenberg's Twitter if you want to see. But it also gives you access to our Discord where I'm in there. All our experts are in there talking about the plays they're making. So you have analysis as well, and it's all combined into one package. $14.95 for a week, $49.95 for a month. No long-term commitments. If you don't like it, you can always stop. I'm a huge advocate. I like using the tools. I think it helps a ton. Link below. All right. Mississippi State taking on Ole Miss. This one I think is really tricky to talk about. You're going to hear a popular narrative out there. Ole Miss can't win on the road. I'll say two things about that. First and foremost, any advantage you think you're getting home road splits are already in the lines. This is an extremely easy stat to quantify. You can literally see how much home court is worth for every single team, and it's different. It's not like it's there's a popular narrative, oh, three points, home court advantage. It's not true. There, This is extremely easy to quantify. So whatever you think you're getting home court, it's already in there. I guarantee it. Second, Mississippi State has played four road games this year, and two of them were with Tolu Smith injured. One of them, Tolu Smith, basically fouled out immediately, and the other one was against Kentucky. So, I mean, you have minuscule samples just completely irrelevant information to this game, or at least noisy information, noise from the small samples. And I say that with an Ole Miss ticket. So, I mean, I'm talking myself out of this argument. But anyway, I just want to kind of squash that narrative. There's reasons we can look at in the data that support Ole Miss rather than this stupid home court thing that people talk about that's already in the line. Anyway, this is going to be a really tough matchup. I actually made two bets in this game, Ole Miss and the under. Took it at 141. It's at 138 or so, 138 and a half. I still think that's okay. Both of these teams have strengths on offense, but they just match up against the opposing team's defensive strength. For reference, Ole Miss is 17th in three-point percentage. Mississippi State has elite guard defenders. This is the team that ranks fourth in three-point defense in the country. Conversely, Mississippi State is a pathetic shooting team. 278th in three-point percentage, but they win inside. Tolu Smith is a monster in there. They have a very good front court, but Old Miss has an excellent front court in terms of defense. You have Jamin Brakefield and Musa Cisse, and Cisse is a fun player. When you look at Old Miss on the interior, they're 231 in interior offense, 66th in interior defense. Musa Cisse is a great defender on the inside. The guy is just an absolute bozo with the ball in his hands, can't score. Great rebounder and defender, but that's kind of why you see the gap if you dive into it and wonder why Ole Miss is so bad offensively inside but so good on defense. But anyway, those are two strengths on defense that just match up perfectly against the opposing team's weakness. One reason you could like an under. The second reason is tempo. 
Mississippi State 196th, Ole Miss 248th. I isolated conference play, looked at the last six weeks. These teams have not changed their style of play. They're both pretty slow, especially Ole Miss. So that also lines up to an under. As far as liking Ole Miss, there are a couple micro advantages here, even with strength on strength. You can look at effective shooting. Ole Miss is 119th. Mississippi State is 158th. They really struggle to shoot. Free throws. Ole Miss 65th. Mississippi State 287th. Turnovers. Ole Miss is 76th in forcing them. Mississippi State is 250th in turnovers committed. This is a team that turns the ball over a ton against an offense, or excuse me, against an Ole Miss defense that generates a lot of them. Foul margin. Ole Miss is rarely in foul trouble. Mississippi State is constantly in foul trouble. It costs them their last road game. So, yeah, it's strength on strength with both of these offenses. It's going to be a slow, volatile game, but I still think you have micro advantages pointing towards Ole Miss that don't even include home court. And a lot of you, if, if you love that stuff, yeah, they're playing at home. You'll, you'll probably like it. All right. Now we're going to get greasy. Miami, Ohio taking on Kent State. We've got a couple MAC games to finish out this show. And I think we have a chance to buy low on a couple dogs. This one, Miami, Ohio heads to Kent State. And there have been some injuries in the MAC this year. We're going to try to break them down because a lot of people aren't going to talk about them. The main injuries for Kent State that I think we need to be aware of are Clyron Hornbeek and Brendan Moss. Both of them have not returned from injury. Don't think they're going to play here. The other injury is on Miami, Ohio. It's Anderson Mirambo, who's back, and he plays in the front court. This is a 6'8 forward. He's the most efficient player on this Miami, Ohio team. Again, go to evanmia.com if you want to check this stuff out. You can look at it by conference, by team, and see the efficiency ratings. Bayesian performance rating is an excellent marker of how good these players are. So the health stuff suits Miami, Ohio. From there, is there a matchup advantage we can exploit here? And the answer is yes. This team, and again, they only have to cover eight. I'm not saying they're going to win. But Miami, Ohio ranks 119th in three-point attempts per game, three-point rate. They have... They rank 25th in three-point percentage, and Kent State is 301st in defending the three. So you have absolute flamethrowers for this Miami-Ohio team going up against a team that is not exactly very good at defending the three. So you do have a path to scoring for this Miami-Ohio team. And you can look at this individually. There's tons of good players here. Darweshi Hunter shooting 39% from three. Makai Cooper, 36%. Ryan Mabry, 42%. Evan Eparso, 38%. And then we talked about Anderson Mirambo. He's actually their most efficient player. Some of that comes on defense, but 6'8 player who plays on the interior. When he was out, they basically had to force Reese Potter in there, who's great. He's a 7'1 freshman center. But now that you can rotate him in with Mirambo, who's a senior, 6'8 senior, just gives you more bodies in the front court. You don't have to rely as much on an inexperienced player. So right away, I... Not saying they're going to win, but there are paths for Miami, Ohio scoring. And a lot of it just comes straight through their shooting. This is an excellent shooting team against a Kent State team who doesn't defend the three well whatsoever. I took plus eight. Last one we'll talk about here is Bowling Green taking on Ball State. This is one where I was kind of surprised. You saw the home team open as an underdog, which I should always intrigue you at least. Let's move to a pick I think that number is fine. I took Ball State plus one. And this is another spot where Bowling Green's an awesome team. I, there's no slight to Bowling Green. But there are a couple injuries to, I think, at least note for this team. 
Bowling Green should be fully healthy here, but when you look at this Ball State roster, Davion Bailey, Mickey Pearson, Trent Middleton have all missed multiple games. They're all back now. So you have a potentially a little bit of meat left on the bone for all of these Ball State efficiency metrics. And they, they trail Bowling Green in most of them, but it's still close at the very least. And similar to the previous game we talked about, Ball State is a team that shoots the three extremely well. This team, 131 in three-point rate, 27th in three-point percentage. Bowling Green is 316 at defending the three, just overall effective shooting percentage. Ball State, 95. Bowling Green, 189. And that's the same pattern we saw with Miami, Ohio, and Kent State. You have the better shooting team who's also shooting into an elite matchup as the underdog. And in this case, a pick em. Maybe they'll move through zero. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, to be honest. But it's a really good situational spot, in this case, for the home team. As far as the individual players, which I think we should at least mention, there's a lot of potential here to get these shooters going after coming off injury. Bashir Jihad, 41% three-point shooter. Jalen Anderson, 36. Mickey Pearson, 35. Davion Bailey, 43. And we mentioned he'd been out for a while. Even Trent Middleton, he's not shooting a ton of threes, but he's at 54%. He gives you solid minutes off the bench. There's just absolute flamethrowers from three for this Ball State team. So it gives you numbers. It's going to make it even more difficult for the opposing team to defend. In this case, that's Bowling Green. Tempo here is a, a little better, also not really... Going to be good for Bowling Green, I think. But yeah, we'll we'll take the home team as a pick them here. Or if you can find a dog, again, use Odd Chopper. That's going to be awesome here. couple throwaways to just finish up the slate. I took Georgia Tech plus 11. The current number is 8.5, which I just absolutely cannot recommend taking. If this comes back, I would take a look at Georgia Tech. People are going to talk about the situational spot. Obviously, North Carolina has to play Duke this weekend. Georgia Tech, in my opinion, was a buy low even before you got the situational stuff with North Carolina. So that's when I liked. I'm interested in Syracuse against Boston College at plus four and a half. Not sure if I'll take this, but it's one I might add to my card. Again, watch for Twitter. When you just look at the matchup for this sort of team, you have basically the perfect defensive recipe, I think, for facing Boston College. Syracuse is 44th in three-point D Boston College. 86th in three-point percentage. Syracuse has struggled to score themselves, though, and they're on the road, which is why I'm a little hesitant to take this number. But yeah, a couple others I'm considering. That'll do it for us. If you have any questions, please leave a comment or reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Matt underscore Gajeski. Happy to, my DMs are open, so I'll answer whatever questions you guys want. Happy to do so. Otherwise, good luck, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow for some more hoops. Have a good one.